Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Dungeons and Junkies presents Escape from Ulfheim, episode 37. Will you help me? Why, hello there, everyone, and welcome back to Dungeons and Junkies, and this new style of intro where whoever's DMing just opens the show. So this is the first time I'm doing this, so I'm just going to ramble here for a second, so fucking deal with it. But yes! I am Chad, which means that we are headed back to my terrible and wonderful homebrew world of Escape from Wolfarm. Before we find out what the gang has gotten themselves into this time, let's find out who the gang is. And we'll start with Carrie. Hello, I'm Carrie, as always. And today I will be playing Varian Nathine, the Wood Elf Warlock. Prince of Sparkles and apparently self-flagellation too. Shrug. It's a mood. It's a mood for sure. Let's move on to Caitlin. Hi, I'm Caitlin. I play Damien. That's his whole name, because he's an imaginative son of a bitch. He's an Ed Genasi warlock shadow sorcerer who really doesn't want to fucking be here. Where's my bird, Chad? Questions. Questions we all have. Let's go then to Alex. Would not unmute itself. But hey, I am Alex, and today I am playing Avery, the Azamar wizard, the wizard, the wizardiest of wizards. Wizards. Did I mention he's a wizard? I missed that. He's a wizard. And finally, last but not least, Matt. Everyone's best friend. Fantastic. And I, as already said, am Chad, and I will be everyone else in this terrible, wonderful world. But last time on Escape from Wolfham, the gang found themselves all in a pretty sticky situation for a minute before finally the deuce ex machina known as Damien made an agreement with the band of atomism to bring the party back together. And last time, the party, being back together, had a lot of deep and introspective conversations about a lot of different things. Really, I can't do a recap justice because it was probably the episode that I've ever had to talk the least in as a DM, as the gang just went through everything that had happened to them while they had been separated, and also tried to figure out how they were going to proceed going forward. But. The important thing is at the end of last time's episode, General Calypso asked the four of them to meet in her office and found them standing in front of General Calypso, Minos, Evelina, Amara, Key, and Drahoslava. As General Calypso said, Welcome to the Resistance. 
But that is exactly where we will jump back in. We're not going to beat around the bush this week. We're going to get right back into the action. So the four of you find yourselves in General Calypso's office, standing in front of a massive table covered in papers and things, as General Calypso stares at the four of you after saying, Welcome to the Resistance. How do you respond? Don't know what the others doing. Well, exactly are we in all form? Oh, um, I'm sorry, you're, you're in the pyramid of the Band of Atomism. Uh, we're on the outskirts of the island, uh, somewhere in the northwest corner. Why have not heard of it, Adley? No, no one, uh, you have not heard of the Band of Atomism at all. You, um... You're asking a lot of... All people. Well, I haven't technically asked you anything yet, um, Wyatt, as it were. I was simply, I guess, saying welcome is a little off-putting, but I was more saying this. This is the resistance. Um, you, uh, Wyatt, give me a quick history check. Ooh, okay. Um, well, it's not been good for four. Plus my proficiency modifier, which I haven't got to hand right now. Sorry. It's a fail, for sure. Uh, so it's your four plus four? Uh, no, I'm, uh, four plus whatever it is. It's, it's not your highest. Three, I think it is. Uh, well, you only needed a five to pass this. Okay. Uh, as she says the resistance again, uh, something clicks in your brain. Not part of your department. But you know that there have been multiple instances of officers having to be sent to places in Ganymede uh, Square to deal with resistance operations and um, that's what I'm looking for. Not operations as much as resistance sightings. Okay. 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 So, you're, okay, so forgive my um, rude, forgive my rudeness. What exactly is this resistance against? Why, of course, the greatest threat that there is to Ganymede. Vicious. Right. Um, why just, um, looks at Damon to say, have you told him your whole deal? Just give the look to say that. I mean, I've encountered the resistance before. We, well, Viren and I and our dead compatriots stopped them from stopping Vicious getting an abolet, I believe. You see General Calypso kind of looks at you and then looks at Virian. You are the two who killed Hawkins. I had nothing to do with that. To be fair, yes, Virion did stand in the corner and tell us all to stop fighting. I had less qualms. Did why hear what happened to Hawkins? Uh, you didn't hear what happened to Hawkins. You did 
find out that uh, there was like a memo sent to from the Golden Crane that the Golden Crane was taking over the hatchery. Okay, cool. I'll okay. make sure what, not sure what as a homicide detective I would have found out. So. There was nothing ever reported about Hawkins. If that you just disappeared and then the Golden Crane took over the hatchery. You, cool. as a detective, did, you know, think there probably was some foul play involved, but mm. there was nothing, a report or anything that you could do about it. Okay. It's nostalgic. I would apologize for the, his death, but I don't care. It was my life or his, so he lost. This is going to sound horrible, but honestly, I, I don't care for the life of the Lizardfolk Hawkins. It was more that his death spawned Vicious being able to proceed with whatever this plan of his that he has going on. <laughs> I look at Varian like... Varian just looks back. Doing like the one eyebrow slightly raised thing. <laughs> hey, it wasn't all me. No, that's a point. Who was it then? Uh, at the time, it was. Well, Varian didn't get involved in the fight. Most of the damage was me and our new compatriot, Cal. And some guy, some dickhead dwarf came in at the end to claim all the glory by doing two points of fucking damage after lying in a box for a while. I was doing so well to talk our way out of fighting, but you know. <laughs> well, in, well, one of those magic boxes which, you know, can't cast magic in. Yes, and after watching one of our compatriots cast magic and barely dodge it, continued to cast magic. Well, who are you? Well, he must have been stupid. Yes, well. Again, I am a hard one to feel off. I really don't care. There's <laughs> more aim at Vivian, to be fair. Damien knows Damien doesn't give a damn about anybody. Well, that is something to mark down in our information, if nothing else but yes I guess before we can proceed and I can tell you anything else I need to know if you are in do you wish to stand with us and purge the greatest menace that is vicious from Ganon I repeat my original statement. You're asking a lot of all of us, unfortunately. I've been wanting to get rid of him for 500 years. And ideally, yeah, love to get rid of him. It's not that straightforward, though. I would the police have done it by now. Oh, believe me, Wyatt, we... <sighs> I will give you something. I can't tell you much, as I said, until you agree 
to join with us. You, I cannot give out information that could be used against us. But I will tell you that my mother, my stepmother, and my father have been trying to stop Vicious for thousands of years. And it's all about... Vicious is a mountain. We, you're right, Wyatt, that is only four of you, the members in, that are already part of the resistance, but we are a stream. And a stream can cut its way through a mountain with enough time and enough effort. And we are that stream, Wyatt. And I have taken this mantle from my father to save Ganymede. The Band of Atomism doesn't believe that Vicious is a threat to anything, but my father and my stepmother knew, and I know that he is the greatest threat of the entire universe. Okay. Look, I can't and won't speak for the rest of the people here. Mainly because this one, Tony Damon, would Elric laugh at me as soon as look at me. Wyatt, I believe she's asking she's yes, she's asking all of us as a group, but she's mainly asking for individual commitments. Because you committing doesn't mean I commit. I know. So if you want to do it, fucking say you'll do it. I want to. I just wonder if it's a corner of interest here because Chief Cuddle Ernst assigned me to work for him. And she's the person I work for. This but, choice has to be your own. I but, cannot make you join. And each of you will have to agree. Quiet. You were assigned? What was your assignment exactly? To be the liaison. Basically to work for... Basically work... Report to Bart. I was assigned to... Work... With you guys. To what end? The specifics were not made clear. Basically, basically I've basically I was the liaison. Can I insight this bitch? Oh, oh for Matt, sure. Probably just Matt forgot it. How long did this happen? Check, check, check my notes. I'll need a deception check as well from you. Why? I'm not trying to see if I get right. I remember of that episode it's so you have a seat on that council as it were we were an in point for you lot rather than an actual objective would you like me to remind you Matt of exactly what Chief Constable Ernst said if you would be so kind sir yes because I want to make sure I get it right for community Chief Constable Ernst assigned you to get an in with Vicious, for they have been in Ganymede for many, many eons, as it were, and are sick of watching the place rot. They also want the end of Vicious 
but know that this is not a simple thing of just killing vicious or anything of that nature. That taking down a creature such as vicious will take many different prongs and different things to happen for it ever to actually fully go through. Okay, I appreciate you for reminding me, Chad. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm going to redo that a little bit there. Okay. <clears throat> I was assigned basically so that we could take down fishes from within. But at the same time, I just don't... There's people in the PDA that want to get hurt if this goes wrong, that's all. I've got friends there. I'm pretty sure the whole city's fucking dead right now, but go off. Mist is fine, I'm sure. But in any case, it's a means to an end to my mission. I'm in. If it will make you feel better, Wyatt, or any of the three of you who happen to have any contacts in Ganymede Square at this time, I will tell you that my agents there tell me that everything is normal. Nothing is awry. The whole place isn't dead, as you stated there a moment ago, Damien. She then looks up at the other three of you after Wyatt has... I assume that was you saying you're in. Yeah. General Calypso. Uh, can you all give me a wisdom saving throw real quick? Full of us. Yep. You five. Thirteen plus six, nineteen. Sorry, what was that, Damien? Twenty-two. Thirteen. The three of you who got a 20, you all feel your heart begin to beat much faster as Calypso makes direct eye contact with you. And the best way to put it for you three, it's it's like seeing an old crush where, you know, you've probably moved on and everything like that, but there's still always going to be that little pang somewhere in the back of your mind that, oh my God, it's them. And your heart beats as she makes eye contact with you. Wyatt, as she looks at you after you say you're in, you're 100% sure she's in love with you. And you're in love with her as well. Wyatt sort of sheepishly like, looks down a little bit like Hmm. I snarl. I've been over this with her. I don't like her influencing me. She once again is just staring at the other three of you. Prince Vicious. What has he done? Oh, I, to be completely honest, I'm kind of new here. Like, so new, I only got here a few days ago. At least I think that's the case. Oh, um, 
well. You see her kind of sit back for a second. And then Avelina, who's directly to her right, kind of leans in and whispers something into her ear. And you see General Calypso leans forward and begins staring at you very directly, Avery. What do you mean you've only been here for a short time? revived recently. I'm not entirely sure why. Bart has the answers, but obviously he's not in a talking state at the moment. She kind of just stares at you for a moment. And you said your name is Avery. Avery, um, after we are done here, regardless of what the rest of you choose, maybe Evelina and I should speak to you for a moment. I, I'm, I don't wish to, I guess, put your business out in front of anyone who isn't you. Especially if you do not seem to know either. As for me, depends on the other two are. If the three of them are in, then I'm in as well. See, she has a very kind of strained look on her face. Not of just almost a mix between confusion and. Pity almost is what she stares at you with for yes um well thank you Avery um Virian Damien Virian at the moment is just kind of looking at the floor one because he doesn't like what this lady can do <laughs> and two <laughs> because um possibly a bit irrationally the story that Knives told him the reign of the eye it has Vicious doing all these incredible, powerful things. And he's starting to wonder if there's just any sort of element of truth to that story. Because this seems like the sort of place where, for no reason, anything could happen. Okay, listen. I... This is a lot to ask. I know. What can I offer you to help us? I don't... I don't want to put all my cards on the table, but I feel the four of you might be quite important to this. With all that is happening currently in Ganymede Square, your names keep popping up over and over, involved in all of these small little things that all seem to be building and building. I don't wish to sound desperate, but I, myself, am offering whatever I can to ha have you help us and to have you help us save Ganymede. I don't know how long any of you have been here, but 
I know at least you, Detective Wyatt, have to know that this place is worth saving. There is many things wrong with it, but there are good creatures here. There are good lives that are led. And Vicious has been this constant corruption of this whole realm for so many millennia. She kind of turns to the side and stretches behind her. This book behind me, and you see a massive gold tome, is the record of the Band of Atomism. This stretches back to when we first came to Ulfham. And always there are accounts of a golden dragonborn. Not always called Vicious, not always in charge, but always around and involved for millennia and millennia and millennia. And the band sees him just as nothing, just a piece of this realm. But studying these tones, there is something else to him. He has been around for too long and has too many stories to him. Please, I know I am asking so much of you. But please, join with me and my compatriots and join the resistance to help me save this realm. And for that fact, for what I know and what I believe that could be happening, the entire multiverse. Why should I? Why should you help? I've given you all the information I have. Which seems to be a lot more than you and your spies fucking knew. And all I've gotten for it seems to be is some, well, in the grand total of my time here, several dead compatriots, various injuries, several deaths, and now my bird is missing and my connection to my patron seems to be fucked with. Why? Why should I give a single shit about anyone in any of these universes since none of them give a shit about me? See, Calypso just stares at you. Honestly, Damien, you shouldn't. You shouldn't give a shit about anyone who doesn't care about you. But look at me, Damien. The why is in your survival. You also live in this realm. You also was someone else in another realm. There are so many versions of you out there, Damien. The why is because life needs to keep on living. And I know that Vicious is trying to do something that will end it all. You have told me yourself, you are a survivor, have you not? Hi. I am. Well, I will tell you truthfully, Damien, your best chance of survival in any of this, in all of this, 
and hoping to get anything that you want, including your bird back, is with us. And goody two-shoes are all the same. Actually, no, all of you are the same. Good or evil. Good intentions or bad ones. You are... It's always us and them. It's one versus many. You sit there and you do your plans and you talk in your grand schemes of how we're all going to die and the universe is going to be destroyed and how we need to bring peace. And yet... You feel so... If you're so... If your whole lot is so admittant on this being right, and you've spent so long fighting this, and you can't convince everyone else in this fucking pyramid, and you think four people... A dead bird who came back to life and doesn't know what the fuck is going on, a snitch who's a bit of an idiot, a sparkly elf who is trying his goddamn best. And me. How on earth, or any earth, since you don't seem to be mentioning Earth 194 or whatever, are we the answer to your prayers here? Because right now, my best chance of survival seems to be getting the fuck out of this dimension, not pissing Vicious and his cronies off, and waiting for the storm to die down. That's it. You think that just running from this will give you survival, waiting it out. How has that worked out for you in the past? Oh, you want, you want to fucking go there, do you, General? I've tried fighting. I died. I've tried just existing. I got swallowed up by the fucking earth. I tried standing up for myself, having morals, having the whole deal... And some fucking puppets decided, you know, let's make the Ganassi dance. Let's make him kill people because we want it to happen. And let's make him scream. I've tried every approach to these issues. So, yes, maybe for once in my fucking lives, I'm going to try running. Because staying here just seems to be suicide. And as you said, I'm about survival. Damien, I don't know you. I only know of you as you have been here in this pyramid. And you say you've tried everything. But looking at you and hearing the way you speak, I can guarantee there's something you haven't tried. Because I will bet in all of those tries, in all of those things that you have done, you have always stood alone. You have always been a person unto yourself. And no, there is nothing wrong with that. But I state once again, stand with others. Stand with these three next to you, who you brought back here. Yes, I can, I can see the rage inside of you and the lack of caring, even as you describe them to me, who they are. Try standing with someone else. Have them help you support yourself. 
You said there's no one in these worlds and universes who've ever given a shit about you. Well, unfortunately, Damien, I'm going to call you a liar to your face immediately. Because just in this small amount of time I have seen these three with you, they obviously give a shit. So, stand with them. Stand with me. Stand with the resistance. It is something you haven't tried. I can almost 100% guarantee it. The many is better than the one. I am not asking you to give yourself over to us fully or anything of that nature. I am not trying to control you, Damien. I am trying to break the chains of control and actually give some freedom to this realm. actually going to hit her, but I am going to slam my knife into the desk next to her fucking hand. Do not speak as if you know me. You know nothing. You see the surface level. You see nothing of what is underneath, even with your weird seduction ray and your, ooh, I'm so innocent. Ooh, I'm a general. Ooh, my family was so hard done to. I don't care. Yes, these people seem to give a shit about me, but guess what? It's not returned. And I am done doing what other people tell me to do, whether it's with a knife at my throat or honeyed words in the dark. I'm fucking done. Dame is going to storm out. General Clipso does not stop you in any way. She stared Just at you. Just a knife at the table now. <laughs> stared at you the whole time. Didn't flinch at all when the knife was slammed into the table. And Damien turns on his heel and storms out the door. General Calypso looks at the three of you. Well, this could have gone better. I suppose. You three are free to go. I can tell that you, Virian, have no interest. And Wyatt, though you agreed, I can tell it's very coerced from you. You three are free to go. Brian doesn't go anywhere for a minute. Fight with holding his arms, stepping out from behind Avery. I'm finally allowed to my chance to say something, I'll do it. Speak your mind, Virian. You see, I have this habit of hiding behind people and letting them speak for me. I'll do it. And then he'll leave. He'll just turn on his heel and go. You see a smile cross Calypso's face as you do say you'll do it. But once again, she does not stop you as you exit the room. 
too out of phrase enough other as well. But nothing to lose. Right. Um, well, then, if you are in, um, I would like to speak to you, Avery, if possible, alone. Okay. I, I'm more than happy for that. You see, as she says that, Evelina is standing next to her. And you see the other three figures. Uh, make me a perception check real quick, both Wyatt and Avery. The 21. Uh, 19, uh, You both haven't noticed with this massive table around here and all of these other people, but as the other two have left the room and she says this, you see the other three besides Evelina, the other three figures, the two winged uh, Asimars and the very pale-skinned woman with the deep plunging neckline. All of them kind of shimmer a shade of gold real quick before you see them all just and just disappear completely. Leaving only Evelina, General Calypso, you Avery and you Wyatt in the room. And as the three or the other three blip out, both of you notice in on the floor you see a golden or you see a golden gem that is glowing and then kind of dissipates with color uh Wyatt if you do not wish to run into I either no, no, I, I know. I was asking you to leave the room. I would like to speak to Avery. But if you would like to leave and not have to interact with either of your other compatriots, who both seem to be a bit angry at this moment, uh, Evelina can take you out the back way. I'm fine with associating with my compatriots. I do think that maybe just maybe you could have done it a little bit better. Avery, if you need me, I'll be outside. And White just turns on his heel and leaves the room, slamming the door behind him. That Avery just sighs. Evelina, Alistair, if you two would please exit and watch the door for me, please. And Evelina makes her way around the side of the large table, making her way towards the door. And Alistair, who's been on the other side of the door the whole time, uh, steps out. They both step out the doors and close behind him. As General Calypso looks at you. I... All right, Avery, as it were, this is going to sound very odd. Maybe it's best I just show you. And she stands up from her chair and she grabs the giant gold tome off of the pedestal behind her before turning back and setting it on the massive table in front of her. 
Avery, what do you know of where you are currently? Not a lot, to be honest. When, when you die, you don't really expect to come back. Especially not to a place like this. Avery, does wherever you're from have uh, religions? Yes, pl plenty. And I assume all of those religions tend to speak of an afterlife. Yeah, but they're normally peaceful, beautiful forests and lands in the clouds. Yes, well, um, so... Fun fact, um, most of those exist from what we have learned about the multiverse. As she's kind of flipping through this massive gold tome, just leafing through pages as she's talking to you. You see, Avery, you find yourself in a very special realm called Ulfarm. Ulfarm is referred to in a lot of ways. I find, though, unfortunately, the best way to put it, and the way that most people understand it the quickest, though it's a terrible, terrible analogy, is Ulfarm is a garbage dump. You see, everything has its time and its place throughout the multiverse, but everything ends and must be discarded somehow. And that is here, in Ulfarm. This dimension is massive. It is huge. It is home to the remnants of lost civilizations, lost creatures, extinct creatures, so many different realms and cultures and creatures come together here. And it also is home to the souls of those who, I guess the best way to put it, and why I assume you are here, Avery, is those who didn't balance their scales as such, where they were not truly evil, yet not good either. You towed the line as some would say, and are sent to here, Ulfarm, to live out the rest of your existence. Now, Avery, the reason that I wanted to talk to you alone about this is as she flips another page and you can see a large heading on the top of this page, The War of Ganymede. You see, about 3,000 years ago, Ganymede was at war. There were two rival factions battling to, for control of Ganymede. You had Vicious, as she flips the page, 
and it's uh, large. You can see a drawing of Vicious actually there in his full dragonborn golden thing, wearing this ornate golden armor and holding a massive sword. And then you had the magistrate. And she turns the page again. And you see on the top of the page a drawing of a uh, white-haired man with a very well-trimmed goatee, very sharp features, his hair pulled back into a tight, like, man bun on it. And though the drawing is not fully in color or anything like that, you can see that both of his eyes uh, in the drawing even kind of shimmer with this red iridescent light as he sits in kind of a throne chair with his arms crossed. You see, the Magistrate had ruled Ganymede for going on five to seven thousand years, and the realm was in chaos. She turns the page again, and you see just a drawing of Ganymede Island with uh, one side being all colored in gold and the other side all being colored in blue. You see, no one knows where Vicious amassed his army. But Vicious quickly, with the use of Warforged, Loxodins, and Kenku, had quickly begun to, I guess, take Ganymede from the Magistrate. And the Magistrate was desperate. She turns the page again. And the magistrate turned to someone that I don't know where they found them or what they were doing, but their power was immeasurable. She turns the page again. And Avery, on this page, you see a full drawing of yourself. Not as how you were living, but in your Asimar form, the reborn, pale skin. And you can see the locket drawn on your chest, radiating with a bright red energy. As this full drawing of you, you see that your prosthetic arm is literally holding a warforged, like up in the air as you are staring at this. They turned to you, it seems, Avery. She kind of turns to look at you. You do not know anything of this. exactly what that was. I don't think I could live myself knowing what could have happened. I have no idea what any of that is. This reborn Asimar, as it were, she turns the page again, when simply by the name Q, And the Magistrate began to battle back against Vicious's forces. 
she turns the page again and you can see now the map of Ganymede the uh, magistrate's uh, color has actually begun to over encompass the giant gold side and the gold is actually more down to a circle as the magistrate's color has it completely encircled you see this this is the first time that truly my mother my stepmother then in charge of the band of atomism knew that vicious was more than he seemed as she turns the page again and this time it's a picture of just a bunch of eldritch horrors massive tentacled creatures eyes and mouths and the the picture itself almost seems to be animated as it looks as if these jaws are like mowing and the tentacles are slithering. Vicious called forth something that we hadn't seen and destroyed our skies to win this fight. And you, well, I guess this creature who looks to be you. And she turns a page again. Was crystallized by Vicious himself. And it's a picture of Vicious literally holding up you, Avery, in one hand. And you can see the drawing has like the bottom half of your body like being covered in a blue crystal as the red gem on the picture chest is just glowing, the brightest red, and once again, almost seems to be alive on the page. And you were never spoken of again in the tomes of time. She closes the book. So Avery, you truly do not know any of this and you say you were just woken recently does Avery know did the people who awoken him did they mention Isla Diablo uh they did not Um, some scientists I think they awoken me in a lab before I could really even get my bearings together they teleported me into Ganymede where I met a tiefling named Bart it's barely had time to wrap my head around anything one minute I was woken up in a laboratory. Half an hour later, I was in a building full of infest infested with static eye zombies. Well, Avery, I I thank you for offering your help, and I graciously accept it. I just wish you to know that. It appears that you have been a part of Ganymede for thousands of years. 
So I would just watch yourself. All right, I... Avery, if you would please talk to your friend Damien and see if there's any way they would be willing to assist us. That would be wonderful. I, at this time, must go and commune with the ministers of the Watch over this whole situation. I once again am going to try and get them to send me any sort of help. Otherwise, if you cannot get Damien to help us in any way, if you, Wyatt and Virian, could please meet me again in my office in, say, two hours, I can go over some more information and maybe clear some things up for all of you. I thank you for telling me what you know. She turns and she puts the golden tome back on the pedestal behind her chair. I, you're welcome. I truly am just trying to help. I, I know I'm not the best at this, and I know that my, and she kind of points to herself, I know my power is off-putting at times, and I'm sure you have felt it, and I am, I am sorry. I, I cannot help that. It's, it is a part of me, and I am sorry. I thank you for your help. Please, um, leave me now. I must figure out what to do. Avery will get up in and out through the door. And then find the nearest exit to just stand, sit in the rain and just contemplate what the hell just happened, what the hell was story. Avery, you turn on your heel and make your way uh, out the front door of the office, and as you do, you see Evelina and Alistair staring at you for a second, both of their inky black eye just almost looking into your soul, and it seems Alistair gives you a head nod and immediately begins leading you and leads you to uh, one of the front doors of the pyramid, opening it for you. Uh, the, the door isn't locked. You can come back in whenever you want, man. I I don't know what she told you, but I can tell you need a minute. Thank you. Thank you. And Alistair closes the door behind him and heads back into the pyramid as you stand in the rain. But meanwhile... Damien, what are you doing? I've probably gone outside. Just, I've retraced to where I came in with Bart being, you know, mostly dead on my shoulder. Because I needed to get out of that building. Or anything. 
Damien, you stormed out of the room past Alistair, who was standing outside the door, and once again doesn't even make a move to try and stop you or anything. Just lets you go. And you keep going, and you make your way out the same uh, door that Alistair led you in, and you back out into the pouring rain of the outskirts of Ganymede. And as you begin to try and retrace your steps back to where you and Bart landed uh, here, you realize that the actual road, the main Cornetto Boulevard road, is now an actual just rushing river as this water is just pouring down. But you stand in front of the banks of now this kind of, not man-made, but unnatural river here that is using this roadway as its course. Damien will kind of stare at the river. Kind of, it's apt that this would be where he's standing, considering the choices he's thinking. <laughs> I think at the moment he's such a clusterfuck of anger and desperation that he's probably not thinking about, you know, sensible things good decisions and not being rash that he's he's just going to keep trying to summon Julius and ignore the pain and ignore the blood. Sure. Uh, roll me a... Roll me two d12s. An eight and a five. Damien, you keep over and over just focusing trying to pull Julius to you and he's just not coming and he's not coming and then suddenly as you're staring at this river you blink and you're once again in this white room unable to move at all as you're just staring at these like almost piercing white walls where they're so white that it almost hurts your eyes to look at them and you can't see any light source around you. You can't really move your head. You can just move your eyes back and around. And you look to the right and you see Julius sitting on a perch just in what looks to be not moving at all and in a perfectly clear glass bubble. You stare at him for a second and 13 seconds pass and suddenly you blink and you're once again staring at the river. and you feel a trickle of blood come out the side of your mouth as you're staring at the river again. It's just kind of staring at the river going, the temptation is there, but it wouldn't fucking work. Because as he's learned, he can't drown. Isn't that just a bitch? He doesn't want to be here, but he doesn't want to be in there, but he doesn't want to leave entirely. And he's just... I think he's just going to sit there in the pouring rain and slowly bleed out of his fucking face, <laughs> staring at a river that he can't drown himself in. I love that imagery. I just absolutely love it. So while Damien's doing that, Virian, what are you up to after you left the room? Virian's 
probably just started walking around. Because <laughs> that really, really stung that comment from Damien. The whole like, oh, I don't give a shit about any of you. <laughs> I don't know if that was just said in a temper tantrum, but you know, the effect is still there. So maybe Viren feels a bit like a tool. He's just wandering around. Not really thinking about where he's going. Viren, you began to wander around the pyramid, kind of just lost in your own thoughts over what Damien just said and not really paying attention to at all where you're going. And as your feet just keep moving one step in front of the other, left, right, left, right, just keep wandering and wandering till you suddenly look up and you're kind of focused back and you find yourself standing in front of the docks office and the door down to the wards. I'm gonna go down to the wards. You knowing where the door is, you saw a dock open it and it's not actually, you know, you can't see there's a door there, but you know how to open it and they slide open, revealing the staircase down to the medical wards. I think Varian's going to go down and basically see if he can see if there's any sort of improvement in either bars or knives. Varian, you make your way down this staircase and you get to the bottom and you can see standing in front of Ward 2, the large war forge in a lab coat as Doc stands there staring into Knives' ward making little notes on his massive arm. You can see him like tapping with all the little tendril fingers he has as he just keeps looking in and making notes and he turns. Oh, hey, hello, oh, are you alright? Oh, hello. Oh, um, hello, sorry. I kind of ended up here by accident. Uh, it's probably a completely redundant question, but uh, either of them? He asks, gesturing to both wards, getting anywhere? Well, yeah. Both, I guess. And he kind of walks and he steps up towards you. Here, step inside. I, I guess it's easier to point out what's going on if you can see what I'm talking about. And he opens the door to ward one. Uh, Doc steps in behind you and once again just the multitude of different beeps and noises from all the different machines that are all hooked up to Bart in here and you can see him just draped in like bandages that still seem to be seeping through with dark colored liquids and you can see once again he's still just muttering under his breath. You can't actually understand it right now but you're pretty sure that it's still the same phrase over and over. But he just is murmuring over and over as Doc steps in behind you. This one here that your friend Damien brought in, I, I, I don't know what um, I can uh, do for him. I've seen a lot of bad teleportation 
things here, especially working for the Band of Atomism, but this is something else. He... As any kind of the tendrilled hand kind of moves forward and the little fingers kind of extend, not actually touching Bart, but like pointing to different points on him. He's literally missing pieces of organs and flesh and bones and... As you look, you can see that the wonderful huge horns that had grown in on Bart, one of them is just completely just sheared off. It doesn't look like it was ripped off. It's a completely like, you can see the glistening color of the actual enamel of the horn from where it just, it's missing. He's just, it's like he was a puzzle and not all of the pieces came through. Arian doesn't really say anything to that, because there's just something inherently disturbing about seeing somebody you considered incredibly powerful just lying in bits. I'm doing everything I can for him. Uh, he's still living. I don't know how really this pieces of his heart were not brought with him. As you can see... Uh, as he's talking to you, the tendril fingers are actually changing bandages on Bart, and every once in a while, like, you'll catch a notice of just, you can see too far into his body at points as things, and you literally see as he moves a bandage from the chest, you can see inside the chest cavity, and you are pretty sure you saw a heart for a second before a bandage is immediately replaced. Feels a bit wobbly after seeing that. Despite everything he's actually seen here since he's arrived. Okay. And as the bandage uh, is put over his heart, you see Bart kind of like just there's a like a shudder that goes through the body and you hear Ragnagobot! 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 And you see Doc moves quite quickly before he presses a button on one of the machines and you see once again Bart kind of stop shuddering and go back just murmuring under his breath. I don't know what in the heck that is I've I deal with the physical body. I don't know why he keeps saying that over and over. He's literally been saying it ad nauseum since he has arrived. So this is just a case of waiting now. Waiting or digging the grave to put the body. What's about knives? The other one. Oh, yes, um, here. Come with me. And Doc once again steps in front of you and walks out into the hallway before turning and opening the door to Ward 2. Okay. As you step in, you see only a few medical machines. In comparison to how many are hooked up to BART, this looks like nothing. There's only, you know, two or three little machines with tubes running to them. 
And as Doc steps in, this one's a, even almost more confusing in a way, as you can see. And he steps forward, and the, once again, the tendril fingers kind of extend. The physical body is fine. I put his shoulder back into place and splinted his broken leg here, but he physically should be awake. And you see the little tendril fingers, uh, two of them move, and they lift the eyelids of Knives' uh, ranky face. And you can see that the irises are just staring straight forward. But there's just no response here at all. As uh, Doc's other arm moves and a little beam of light comes out, and you can see him like flashing the flashlight into Knives' eyes. And the irises don't move with it or anything like that. What did you say happened to him again? Not trying to point fingers too much. Wyatt, the, um, I guess the flashy one, and I were in a library. There was a beholder. We came up with this fantastic plan to try and get Wyatt out of the pit. See, Knives had guns. We were going to make noise and distract this blind beholder. But with some absolutely sterling thinking on the spot, instead of point, instead of saying that the sound was coming from anywhere, Wyatt decided to point at Knives and... Gets the beholder attacked. <laughs> and what Knives was buried under rubble. seen a lot of combat. Yes. Yeah, a lot. I mean, dealt a lot of life and death situations. Quite often. You ever make a bad call? In one of those situations? Quite recently. I'm just a warforged. I know that you don't know me from, you know, anything else. I'm gonna tell you, working with the band of Adams and seeing them all fight together to battle against these otherworldly horrors. Mistakes are made. Don't, don't hold grudges against your brother's arms. I didn't hold anything against Wyatt. He panicked. It's something I'm prone to doing myself. Listen, I think this one's gonna be okay. I'm doing everything I can. I keep him fed, I'm keeping him. He's just not waking up. You said he got hit by a beholder. Maybe the, I don't know, the power from those creatures is absolutely immeasurable. Um, I mean, I know there used to be one here in the library that 
just was so powerful it almost destroyed the whole realm. Lucas? Why do you know that name? That's who was there. And this is an odd thing. It's hard to say that a light bulb moment happens uh, for a Warforged face, but you see almost like the wonderful little eyes like almost glow brighter for a second as Doc stares at you. You didn't, you didn't tell me that before. One second. And you see Doc turns on his massive bipedal legs and kind of runs out the door. And you see him charging up the out of the wards up the stairs as he leaves you alone in the room with knives. Aaron's just going to stand there holding his spellbook. It's more of an unnecessary detail, but I've seen him most... Things that wizards tend to have things to carry their spellbooks on, Virion always tends to carry his in his arms. It's something to hold on to, you know? You see Virion clutching his spellbook, standing over the unconscious knives here in Ward 2. But meanwhile... Wyatt, what were you up to while you headed out of the room? Well, Wyatt's... That stood by his word. He literally said to Avery, I'll be outside. He hasn't. He stood up. He stood guard outside that room. The entire conversation, though, gone inside. Worried about Vivian, because, you know, Vivian was not happy. Worried about Damien, but at the same time, Damien is Damien, and why? They're better for him to try and to piss Damien off further, because he values all of his limbs. Uh, but he also, uh, you know, he, he wants to get to know Avery a bit better. And the whole team, really. He, he wants to belong. Wyatt, Avery did not notice you uh, coming out or seeing you standing against the wall. Because if Wyatt can do one thing, it's blend into a motherfucking wall. And so you were basically just completely invisible against this wall as Avery kind of walked out of the room uh, following after Alistair. Did you want to follow uh, Alistair and uh, Avery then? Uh, no, I, I, I take it as read that they are, um, they're heading, <laughs> yeah, sort of, um, that they're heading um, for a specific reason with Alistair. Uh, Wyatt will, um, Try and find Virion. So head for the stairs to head downwards. Uh, it takes you a moment. You're kind of, you know, walking throughout the hallways, kind of wandering just as Virion was. But eventually you do hear the sound of a massive, like, clanking as you see Doc run from out of the wards and down the hallway. You okay? No time! No time! Who are you looking for? Not look, shut up! Get your friends down in the wards! I might have something to help them! Get Rocky one that you almost killed! Cheers! I feel banned as it is! Wyatt says, walking down the stairs. 
And you see he's out of, he doesn't hear that as he's completely out of earshot as he's ran past uh, you and down another hallway and has made another right turn. But you make your way down the stairs, back down into the medical wards. Uh, you see in Ward 1 the body, in air quotes, of Bart connected to all the machines. Uh, but you don't see Virian in there. Uh, as you look, though, you do see the door to Ward 2 is still open. I uh, put my head around, around door 2, just in case it's... Maybe Damien, unlikely, but just in case. Does not want to have his head taken off, so just looks around. Hey. What? You, uh... Okay. It takes Varian probably a short while to actually answer that. As he just kind of stares off into the distance for a moment. Almost as though he's thinking about it. No, not particularly. But... There's all... As, <laughs> as I've been reminded for most of my life, there's usually always something wrong with me. But hey, it could be worse. The doctor might have, have had a breakthrough on how to make knives better. Hopefully. Oh, that's, that's good. That's good. Um, Virion, there's nothing wrong with you. Virion does give you a bit of a side eye at those words. Wyatt. I know we haven't gotten off to the best of starts, and truly, I don't want to fight with you. But please understand you know very little about me. You know nothing of where I come from and what I've done. So, with all due respect, I don't think it's up to you to make that judgement. I hear you. I'm just saying what I've seen. You could have left me to you to, to kill me. You could have left me. They could have abandoned me there. And I don't think anyone would have blamed you. Yes, well, as I've also been told enough times, including by this one, he says, tapping two fingers against the book, I'm a fool, Wyatt. Well, but I don't, I don't want to fight with you about this. I don't want to fight. I'm... I I still feel bad about what happened in general lobby. I feel like the biggest dick in the world. Okay? I feel terrible, you know, me having this petty rivalry of knives that almost got him killed. I panicked. Nearly got him killed. I dragged you into it, and that was not fair on you. Can I get you a drink? Come on. Go get a cup of coffee, at least. Nothing for you to do at the moment. If I can do with you a coffee. I would like to wait here a moment until the doctor comes back. Okay. Okay. When... I told him it was Yukus. He knew who... He seemed to know who that was. You know when Yukas took you off, and I have told me a story. 
it's in short form. It's called Rain it was called Rain of the Eye, and it details this battle between Lucas and Vicious. And it's where you come from, you have fairy tales and folklore, don't you? Of course. Honestly it read like that, but isn't surviving here. My perception of reality has been quite challenged. Feasibly, some of it could be true. But I don't know if I'm overthinking things now. Lucas mentioned that Vicious is the one that's brought him inside that library. Yes. So, I would make to say that it's almost always true. I mean, also... fairy tales and legends and all this nonsense that you hear sometimes, they're all true. They're always true. It just depends which dimension you're in. Well, I mean, according to the story, Vicious was the one who took Yuka's eye. That's what Yuka said as well. So... It's strange, isn't it? The mere mention of his, the mere mention of Vicious's name around Yukus, I almost died three or four times. He, uh, I'd hate to think what would happen if he was let loose on, on Ganymede. Listen, I'm, I'm sorry, I spoke so harshly to you when you were in the pit. You panicked. I'm prone to doing it myself. I did. But I still shouldn't have pointed. I should have pointed in a different direction and I didn't have to point in that direction. I just have to hope that noise forgives me. I wouldn't hold your breath. No, I won't. Um, it's a very inspiring, a small but honestly genuine smile, and he says a lot. The question is, if we are to take down Vicious, do we make the most of what's through there? Why it points directly at Bart's room? I don't know. I genuinely don't know why it's... I'm sure that... This is my long-term goal, you know, taking him down. You're actually in his employ. If it goes badly wrong, you guys are going to... Oh, they're thinking about... I like you, Vivian. Even his neutral Wyatt, despite the harsh words I've said to you. I deserve those. That's fine. Yes, well. We all deserve them sometimes. Well, I guess we'll just 
wait for a doctor to get back and then we'll go get our coffee and hopefully find Avery and should we go find Damien? And it's often best to leave Damien to his own devices. There's, there's one more concern I have about this plan. I agreed to do it, but again, I'm a fool. What's your concern? Damien and I, being ambitious employee, we have bombs in our necks. I've never really done anything to antagonize them, largely out of my own cowardice. But it's there. And despite dying, honestly, a few times over now, I should have died many years ago. But I'm still here. Made a promise to someone recently that I'd pay them back for something, and I'm in return. They're going to do their best to keep me alive, probably not necessarily for my benefit, but regardless, there's just that little problem. I don't, I don't want to die again, Wyatt. got a bomb in your neck. Why didn't you yes. say something? Well, because we didn't exactly meet under the best circumstances, did we now? There's, um... Perhaps not so much, Damien, but... Notice the way we recoiled from Avery? Um... Yeah. We just watched our former companions get killed by Headless Azamar. The dwarf and the Dabaxi. Dabaxi was the closest thing I've ever had to a best friend. One of the few people in my life who told me it was okay just to be myself. Yes, that's a selfish reason to want someone to come back, but anyhow. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. Narrow, right? It's a natural, dare I say, human thing. I know that you're an elf, but it's only human to want something like that. We have a different society to humans, despite not massively being different from one another. But this is probably a conversation for when all this is all over. Possibly. Just so you know, I'll do everything I can to get that out of your neck. I appreciate it. Then not, for he, not for he'll right. care, but Damien's as well. About it going off. Not that he'll care if I help him or not. Arian doesn't really comment further, he just leans back against the wall, waiting for the doctor to come back. As if out of plot convenience, just as this happens, 
You hear the clanging of metal feet against the floor as the giant Warforged Doc steps back and you can see both maybe a perception check real quick. And just don't biff it. Perception. So 11 plus 6, 17. By biffing it... With all my bonuses, it's a 5. Did you roll a 1? Oh, a 2. <laughs> okay. Uh, 5 was the, once again, the DC on this one. But if you rolled a 1, I was going to have to say something. But Alright, you both, as Doc steps into the door... You can see in his left, more uh, like giant arm, kind of mega buster style arm. You can see hanging from his hand a stalk with an eyeball at the end of it. What ha! is that? It's a motherfucking piece of Yukis! Having seen something which nearly took my life. Barely 12, barely, barely 18 hours ago. It's worth taking a step back and, and his hand goes through his, his holster. It doesn't draw it, just how just, it just touches his, his, his gun. Jesus yeah. Christ. On kind of reflex mode, just kind of puts his arm on Wyatt's, puts his hand on Wyatt's arm as if he's saying, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, it's, it's fine. It's, it's not alive. And he kind of holds it up and like kind of pokes it with one of his tendril fingers. See, this is from the last time Yukis was around. He's still around. Well, I mean, he wasn't for a long time. Okay, whatever. Uh, and you see Doc turns and uh, goes to the wall and the little tendril fingers go out and they push a bunch of little spots on the wall before you see like a whole like piece of the wall. Shh! slide open and you can see a ton of like Bunsen burners and beakers and things like that kind of slide out as Doc takes this eye stalk and drops it into a uh, liquid before turning on a Bunsen burner under it and you can see the flame rises up. Well, see, once you told me that it was Yukis, the unquenchable, wow, I'm surprised you two survived it all. He is literally the father of all beholders. Like, they all come from him. And he was the first of his kind. And you see, once you said it was him, he clearly absolutely wiped that guy's mind over there. And the only thing that's going to wake him up is another shot of the same kind of stuff. And as he's saying this, you both can see this, like, eye stalk that he dropped into this liquid has begun to dissolve into it as this blue liquid begins to like bubble in front of him and you can see him like clicking at it. All right, well. Uh, he turns back around and looks at you. This is gonna take me a couple hours, so uh, if you guys wanna you get uh, out of here, there's gonna be some weird fumes coming out of this here in a second. Doesn't bother me, but I've heard that it could cause your noses to fall off. Okay, I think we should come back closer then. I agree. Awesome. Well, so, so great of you, Viren. That, that information, I'm glad you would have got it. Your friend here would have died. His brain, I couldn't tell, but I now know, is slowly eating itself. 
Okay, well, we'll definitely go and leave you to get on with saving knives. Thank you. And Doc has turned back around and you can see him lighting other Bunsen burners and like pouring different liquids into things. As you do start to see a like cloud of different fumes begin to form over the top of this table. Thank you. Yeah, let's go. Coffee? Coffee right behind you! Badly. Door gets closed behind us. Coffee? Good tea if we got it. Coffee makes me anxious. My mum liked tea. It's more of an album thing where I'm from. Coffee seems a little bit... vulgar, for lack of a better term. My mum would probably agree with that one. You've liked her, I think. Let's go, let's go get, let's go, let's go get some hot beverages. Let's see if we can find Ava in a way. Just as Wyatt says that, the camera kind of, as it's watching the two of you head up the stairs uh, and out into the main hallways of the Pyramid of Atomism, the camera kind of zooms back to the, uh, out the front door to a Asimar, a reborn Asimar standing there in the pouring rain. And as the camera kind of pans on him for a second, suddenly a huge lightning, pink lightning flash goes off. And Avery, you can see not too far in front of you, probably about a good, you know, 20 yards. But you can see Damien standing next to a rushing river of water. What would you like to do, Avery? You're still just standing here on the outside by yourself, but you now have seen Damien, who's up in the distance ahead of you. Somehow Avery feels that Damien isn't ready to talk to people yet. So I think he's gonna go I think he's gonna go back inside. Avery, as you see Damien standing up in the distance and decide not to go talk to him yet, you turn back around and enter back into the main hallway of the uh, pyramid. And as you do, you actually see Wyatt and Virian coming out one of the other hallways into the main area. I'll let them have their moment. I think Avery will... How long has it been since, um... How long has it been since um, Avery left that room? Oh, probably only about half an hour. And they said to come back in a couple hours, didn't they? Three hours. Three hours. So I have time to do a ritual spell, possibly. Possibly. Avery's gonna... Screw it. What's going to happen? Uh, Avery's going to go to where they found Damien yesterday up in that um, 
tower area where it has the windows and you hear the wind. And oh, up in the pinnacle? Yes. And he's going to spend an hour and ten minutes to cast Find Familiar to bring his familiar in. If it works. Because I've oh. spent an hour and ten minutes to do it as a ritual. Alright. Avery, you make your way back in the front door and you make your way to one of the massive staircases and head all the way up to the very peak of the pyramid, entering into the precipice of the pinnacle, and you will spend the next hour preparing uh, this spell. Old pop over, Damien, are you doing anything on the outside right now? Have I seen the pink lightning? Oh yeah, you saw the pink lightning bolt go off. It's kind of the moment it's been going off, David's kind of been scanning the surroundings, looking for that green cloaked motherfucker. <laughs> Knowing uh, make... that I probably won't find them, but still. Uh, make me a perception check. I still get my perception bonus now, even though I don't have my baby boy. Yes, you do. You, Damien, as you've just been standing here staring at this river, the massive crack of light goes off and illuminates this whole area. And you see many different, like, small creatures and things kind of scurry off, but you don't notice any green, elven like taminators around. I think for one of the first times in his existence, Damien is kind of paralyzed by indecision and is just kind of going to stand and stare at the water, hoping for some kind of fucking answer. The water gurgles as it... That's not helpful, water. As it just keeps rushing past you faster and faster. Damien, make me a perception check again, please. Another thunderbolt goes off and lightning flashes through the eye, once again illuminating everything. And as you're staring down at the river, you get that feeling as if someone is staring at you from behind you. Turn around. (laughs) Bitch, what? Uh, You turn around to see Alice there, standing there, not just looking at you. Can I help you? That mm. was, that was pretty, pretty rough. What the general said. Well, I wasn't exactly kind in return either. But... She really is just trying to do her best. I've met a lot of people who've said they're trying to do their best and it hasn't always turned out that way, so. Okay, she wouldn't, she wouldn't want me to be telling you this, but I think it kind of bears to how she's 
seeing this and everything. She's... She's not supposed... She wasn't supposed to be in charge of the Band of Atomism. You notice all the time how she constantly says her mom and then corrects it to her stepmom. Yeah. So, about 500 years ago at this point, there was an invasion. Cthulhu himself was literally attacking Ganymede. And her stepmother, Calypso, who she's named for, died in the battle. Leaving her father in charge of the Band of Atomism. And the Band of Atomism is never to be led by a man. You see, the band was created in, I don't know, I, I don't know if your world has it, but uh, it's called Greece, you see. And they actually discovered long, long ago, while the men were at war, the women philosophized and thought and learned. And they discovered that, and it's amazing because they shouldn't have been able to do it, but the spaces between atoms didn't make sense. And this small kernel of information grew into the multiverse and figuring this all out. And they created the band of atomism to try and help save everything, to protect these universes against these threats that they couldn't handle or knew nothing of. And you see, her mother and father were some of the most loved and respected of all time. You see, your father acted as the watcher of the watch, as I do now. I'm not technically a minister of the watch. I am technically the superseer of said watch. And that was her father's role until her mother died. And then you've clearly felt her power, if you will. Unimpressed face. That comes from her true mother. You see, her father was seduced by a god. Aphrodite seduced her father and birthed Calypso. And Calypso's father, over the grief of what he had done, walked off the coast into the Sea of Fog and has never been seen again, leaving a 14-year-old Calypso to lead the Band of Atomism. She's very direct, I guess, in her quest, and the entire rest of the Ministers of the Watch look down upon her, especially because of her heritage. As you can see, 
Obviously, you're pretty smart. You've clearly figured out what we fight against here. Her being half of a god is almost sacrilegious. She's not looking to control you, Damien. She truly does have good intentions. And if you walk away from this, she will respect that and let you go. But I'm telling you, give it a chance. Help her. Help us. Things could be better for you. ask you a question. Feel free to tell me to fuck off if you don't want your answers. You can ask. He kind of wipes a lot of the blood off his face. Has there ever been something that you knew you used to be able to do but is now cut off from you entirely? He kind of looks at you and kind of furrows his brow as he does. Um, this is the only thing that I've ever been cut off from. And he kind of points to the uh, inky black eye. You see, when we take the oath and take on being a minister of the Watch, we renounce any feelings towards others except for our one and my one does not love me back so I've given that up I've died a lot Three times in truth, but when you think about it, it's really four. Maybe it's dozens if you think too much. To become who I am, I killed so many parts of myself that I've cut myself off from it entirely. I don't... Virion gave me a hug last night, and even though I know Virion and I know he would never hurt me, I know he's a good person. My first instinct was that he was going to hurt me. That he was trying to stab me. That this was a way to lower my guard. I don't know positive contact. I don't know positive emotion. And asking me to stand by people and to trust in people and to do something for benevolent reasons is like me asking you to love someone apart from your one. It's like asking a blind man to see. I... I feel indecision here because I don't know how to do what they're asking. See, Alistair just 
kind of stares at you. I, I get it. I, I understand. If you have to go, I, I respect that decision even more now. What I will say is we're asking, she's asking a blind man to see, but she's also trying to give that blind man the means to do so. I can't have what I love anymore. But Damien, I, I tell you this, all of these deaths and everything that you've killed inside of you, those ones around you, the ones you brought back, they can put it back together. Not in the way that it was, no, and I know it sounds ridiculous, but Damien, the only thing of having to see Calypso every day that gets me through this, every single day, is Evelina, is the rest of the band. It's, it's surviving. It's putting one foot in front of the other every single day, even though it hurts. And it hurts a little less as a few more around me support me in my journey. I respect your decision, but I just, I had you to, you had to know where she came from. When you think about it, there's a lot of similarities between our stories, which is odd to think about. People question her because of her heritage. They hated me because of mine. She fought. I mean, the main difference is her family loved her. At least I think that's what you're saying. I don't really understand the semantics. You love her despite knowing that she won't love you back. You love her despite her faults and her mistakes. I've never lost people because I've never had them. And the main thing when I woke up after that death, right as I woke up in that hospital, was relief that it wasn't just me. Relief that Virion had survived. And you all gave me a chance to bring all of them back, even though I don't know Avery and I don't know Wyatt. And I brought them out. And now you're asking me to commit to something where I'm probably going to lose them again. Maybe I'll lose them entirely. 
I don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand what any of this is. I don't, is there something wrong with me? Alistair kind of steps forward a little closer to you. No, there's nothing wrong with you. We're all just broken. And it's just fucked. It's the shitty world that we all have to play in. But as you just said, you say you've killed so much inside of yourself, but yet you still chose to save those two idiots who, frankly, from what I've seen of them, I mean, you could have left them to wherever their means were, and I don't know if anyone would have batted an eye. But you chose to help them. So that's got to mean something. If you see Virian, tell him I need to talk to him. Yes, Cat. Alistair uh, reaches into um, like his waist and he pulls out what at first you think is a sword just because and you uh, you can actually feel your body tense up but as he moves it you see it it pops open and you see an umbrella in front of you and he kind of holds it out for you here at least you shouldn't be getting drenched out here I appreciate the thought but this is kind of my element. A gesture to kind of my whole deal. Hey, I was, oh, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about that. All right, I'm sorry if I rambled or anything like that, Damien. I just want you to know we really would love your help and your just fine, okay? I'll tell Virian if I see him. And Alistair will turn on his heel and head back towards the pyramid. But meanwhile, we flash up to the pinnacle of the pyramid. The camera zooms up to the top and we see sitting in the center of the floor, uh, drawing a huge incantation kind of circle on the floor and using everything you can, you can see kind of just the magical energy surrounding Avery, the top of this precipice, as 59 minutes and 58 seconds have passed and an hour now clicks by and suddenly <laughs> A familiar pops into existence. But Avery, what's your familiar look like? Yes, okay, so what appears is a um, little 
silver and black striped American short hair cat. With a, li with a little bluish purple collar and a tag that says Sylvie. And Avery just goes full baby, picks up the cat, is like, oh, I've missed you, and gives Sylvie a cuddle. Cat. And kind of like pause. It's you in face, the face. Gently. Yeah, but but gently, not in the way cats do, in a loving sort of way. Yeah. I'll just let them sit in me hood as I tidy up the mess I've made with incenses and stuff. You very easily clean up. And uh, what would you like to do after that, then? As you now just stand with your now cat familiar, kind of wrapped in around your neck and in your hood. Uh, but you stand in the pinnacle of the pyramid. I've been meaning to find Virion, so I will go do that. Um, you did see them uh, heading towards, coming out of the hallway and then heading towards the cafeteria area, so you do know they were there about an hour ago that way. See if I can find Varian then. All right. Well, then, as Avery is heading his way down, down back into the main stairway and then down into the main hall and heading towards the cafeteria, we pop into the cafeteria and we see Virian and Wyatt sitting there having a cup of tea. What are you guys chatting about? Vivian, you take your. Do you, how do you take your tea? I mean, you know, while it's there sipping black coffee, and you're just checking, like, do you take it? My mum used to have it just like straight black with like some sugar, but I know some people have it with milk, some people have it with herbs, some people have it with all sorts of other stuff. Honestly, it depends on the type of tea. I tend not to have milk or sugar. It, it's a personal choice, but it ruins the taste for me. That's fair. That's fair. How is the tea? Quite nice, thank you. Gurion has raspberry tea. It's bright pink. I okay. So I love raspberry tea. As do I. I want some now. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> As you two are sipping your tea and coffee, suddenly the door opens. And you see a, just a frizz of red hair, like fly into the room, like looking around. As you see her collar like all up and her black eye kind of just whizzing back and forth as she locks eyes with you, Wyatt. Uh, hey. Oh my god, it's real! What the hell? And she rushes over and takes the seat opposite of you across from the table. And you can see, like, both of her hands are, like, on the table. And she's, like, almost shaking as she's, like, just staring at you with a huge, like, wide smile on her face. Can I see it? Can I see it? Can I see it? Can I see it? See what? You're, you're, a, you're they said it's true. You're a Power Ranger, right? Yes, but... Oh my god, can I see your morpher? Can I see your morpher, please? Well, I looked at Virion and just say, like, does this happen often? 
and looks back like, I don't know, I'm not a Power Ranger. I think I should leave though if your fan club is here. I, I, I have no fan club. I... I'll uh, leave you to it. <laughs> no, we'll just skedaddle. We'll talk later, Vivian, okay? Why well, hold your fist up? Oh my god, oh my god, that is so cool! So, so, so where I'm from, you, the Power Rangers are a kid's TV show, and I watched them growing up my whole childhood. There are many different dimensions. I know, I know, and this is the first time I've ever actually met a real one of you, though. I'm not from this dimension, obviously, originally. Oh my god, that's so cool. Wait, wait, what, what? What are you doing in Wolf Farm then? Something went wrong. We'll leave it at that, okay? I can't get home. Can I? Can I see? I could talk for five hundred years. Oh my God! Can I? Can I see you morph? Can you do it? Say the line, Wyatt. Wyatt looks at his morpher and he's like, We're not supposed to use the power for personal gain. Please, please, please. I just, I was like, my whole life I wanted to see this. It would be so cool to see it in person. I've watched it on TV like a thousand times. Please, 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 please. Inside, I'm trying with the fanboy myself at this moment. You might want to back up because the, the overload can be explosive. So. Why stands up and takes this and walks about ten steps away, then turns around. Okay, it's just for you, then. Anyway, what's your name? Oh, uh, Evelina. Okay, Evelina, this is just for you. Okay. You can see the just widest smile across her, like, freckled face. And Evelyn is quite short, but with the, like, piercing void, like, black eye, it's, she's still, like, very intense, but she's just so smiley right now, you can't even tell. Like, her poof of, like, ginger hair is just everywhere. Okay. Wyatt puts his left arm across his, across the chest, presses the, the big button in the middle, and just says, Grid hack. And that way, he transformed into his base form. And you see stars form in Evelina's eyes as she just... Ah! But meanwhile... Avery, you are coming down the hallway of the main floor as you see Virian exit out of the cafeteria. They're sort of, sort of just walking into each other. Oh, sorry. Hmm? Oh, no. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have where I was going. No, that conversation earlier was a lot. Yes, well, I should imagine it was more rougher for you since you had to stay behind. Yeah. 
I realise we haven't really spoken at this up until this point. No, we haven't. Should we, should we go for a walk then? Find out I notice, a bit about each other. Do I notice Avery's cat at this point? <laughs> Uh, I assume you're, you've noticed that there is definitely a tail now that seems to have grown from, and it's, you realize not Avery's hair, because it keeps flicking. Just trying to look. <laughs> Lean to the side so they can see the cat in the hood. When did you get a cat, and your cat is adorable? I've had her a while, but I think this is for the first time in a while that I've been able to see her. Karen does not make any attempt to steal Avery's cat because he's not that uh, very through, inclined. Through telepathy, as that's how the familiars list understand, I um, tell Sylvie to jump on the Virian shoulders. Meow! Uh. And Sylvia hops off of your shoulder and lands very daintily just on your shoulder, Virian, just staring into your shiny face. Oh, is this something? <laughs> Sparkly elf, pretty cat, weird spell book. Makes a good image. <laughs> Sylvie stares into your eyes for another second before then just literally kind of slinking and going so, and then making herself almost a scarf around your neck and just promptly just passing out again. Why do people like cats so much? They're, they're good fun. I can change her form, but for as long as I've had her, I've kept her a cat. No cat is best. Smoothing the cat, petting the cat intensifies. So, I've been meaning to ask you, as I noticed. Have I noticed something off about Virian's book? Because I said I've noticed, but have I actually noticed? Uh, make me an arcana check. I'm good in arcana. And I'm going to add an extra d6, because I want this to work. Then the D6 might have actually helped, to be fair. That's a 4, plus 5, plus 13. So, 22. Yes. Yeah, you notice there's, an, for a spell book, as you are a wizard, and you've seen a lot of spell books in your time, you can tell that there's definitely a different kind of power coming off of it than normal. Like, it's not the normal kind of magic that comes off of a spell book. You don't know, like, anything about the magic, but you can tell it's just an off, it's off in some way. I've noticed something funny, I guess, about your book. It's not normal, is it? What gives you that idea? as Spoon just kind of clasps the book just a little bit more protectively. I pull out my spell book from 
my um, component pouch on the belt, which is it's quite a fat book at this point, but um, it's it's basic. It's basically just a black hard hard. Uh, what what what's what are they hardcover. hard um hardcover book? Yeah, hardcover book with just like some gold art on the front. So as compared to other spell books, it's pretty basic looking. This is my book, and by comparison, it feels like a regular spell book. It's magic. Is tame. That feels a lot stronger than the average book. Viren's not entirely sure if he's being lectured by the wizard at this point. No, Avery seems pretty casual. He doesn't seem to know anything. It's, I suppose it's a little unconventional. No, I don't mean to pry. No, it's... It's just kind of a lot, if you understand me. You hear a voice in your head, Virian, as Terra suddenly goes, Don't you dare fucking tell that wizard about me. If you do, he will pry, and he will dig, and then I'll probably have to kill him. So, hush hush. Can I talk back to Taran just inside my own head without Avery noticing? Yes. As I've said, the communications with Taran are almost as if they're hip or happening in like the synapses and the firing of the electrons in your brain. So they're like happening in like milliseconds and things. I'm not going to tell him. I might be a fool, but I'm not an idiot. Good. Just making sure. Feels vaguely threatened now. Yes, it's. This is a little embarrassing. It's because I'm not particularly good at magic. It's a little bit more. They had to. Whoever made this one had to put a little more assistance into it. That's all. There's nothing wrong with that. Have I ever... Well, of course I have. Of course I haven't told you, because we haven't had that much time to get some each other, but obviously we, everyone starts somewhere with magic. I can tell you've been doing magic for a while, because you're competent enough. Very generous of you to say. I mean, the first time I tried using magic, I managed to blow up half my father's shop. It was a, it was a mess. Aaron decides now is not the best time to mention he is also quite adept at blowing things up via magic. <laughs> glasses on that one. I think you're being sassed. I get it. Yes, well. Ironically, for doing what I do, I'm not that fantastic at it, so there we have it. 
I start looking in, see if I can get Virion to walk with me. And I say to him, for someone who claims they're not very good at it, you haven't shown that. I'm good at pretending. Just, as we're walking, I'm just casually trying to tuck the spellbook into my jacket a bit more. I'm not having any problems with the book anymore. What like, was that, Matt? I don't mean. How, how are you, by the way? And I don't mean, like, with all of the shit happening in what is going to happen. I mean, like, how are you? Handling everything that's happened to you coming here. Varian does give you a small side eye because that's a strange question from someone you've only really just started speaking to. But you'll think about it for a moment. It's trying to gauge how truthful to be with someone who doesn't really know anything about you other than your name. And the fact you're supposedly not very good at magic. I've been coping with it. Not always particularly well, but I'm here. I'll sit down on the stairs that I came down from earlier. Sorry, this isn't the best introduction. Talking to people have never been my strong suit. I open a book and I'll spend six, seven hours just reading that instead of talking to all the people around me and getting to know people. So this conversation was probably started quite awkwardly and I've probably made all of this awkward. Well, for what it's worth, I'm good at pretending to be confident. In truth, I'm very good at awkward conversations as well. You know, I guess I just need to get off my chest. Um, when, what was she called again? The main woman? I should probably write her name down. Calypso. Calypso. General Calypso Leonidas II. I'll go General Calypso. When Calypso asked me to stay, she showed me some history involving Vicious, and I'm in the covers of that book. I don't remember a damn thing about it. What's in the covers of this book? How so? I was, appeared to have been a part of fighting against Vicious. So all I remember after after death was waking up and being transported to the hospital where I encountered you guys. So I'm sorry if this is broaching on awkward territory for someone I've never spoken to before until today. You were fighting Vicious. Just um, unpack that for a moment. I don't know. 
to be honest. I mentioned in the spell, in, I was going to say spell book. I was mentioned in the book she showed me of fighting against Vicious's army, trying to help this side. But... I just don't remember any of it. I mean... We're fairly... I mean, while I'm good with my magic, I'm not as good as other people. I'm weak on the grand scale of things. I couldn't imagine how being in that book is even possible. So you just woke up here? Well, not in this particular location. Yes, being 100% honest with you, I woke up in some laboratory. These individuals, one squid-like creature and its friend, they had me teleported outside Ganymede General, where I met with Bart. And to be fair, I was quite out of it when we met in the hospital. But that's all I really remember. Where was this laboratory too? I have no idea. Can can you remember what the laboratory looked like roughly? Oh yeah, you have a you have a pretty good memory, and it was the first thing you woke up to, and since you died, so you're it's kind of burned into your memory. Yeah, because what what I'm thinking slash what Avery's thinking is, if he describes what this laboratory was like, would it re, would the styling of the room resemble resemble what? Isla Diablo looked like in the room where we fought Taron. Would like it's describing this. Room. Yeah, would describing this like <laughs> ping in Virian's memory. Uh, yes, I mean Virian has a, also a pretty good idea of every inch of that laboratory. So, I mean, honestly, if you said the word Tesla coil, I think that Virian, being a pretty intelligent individual will be able to put two and two together pretty quickly. It's this big stone laboratory with like tarnished walls. There was big Tesla coils, metal workbenches in test tubes with things in them. Yeah, so this is definitely uncomfortably familiar for Virion. And he's doing his best not to let it show on his face. In kind of an ah, oh no, kind of way. Virian, you hear a voice in your head. Those motherfuckers are using my laboratory? I don't, I, I don't acknowledge time for a moment. Can you say there were people in there? some kind of squid creature and someone else. I was a bit out of it, to be honest. Let's see.
that's that sure is something. That's that's really something. As if saving you from an awkward situation, suddenly you see Alistair kind of walking down the hallway, and as he sees you two, he goes, "Oh, hey, uh, hey, uh, Virian." Um, yeah, uh, Damien, um, they're outside, uh, by what used to be a road and it's now kind of like a river. Um, they said they needed to talk to you. Oh, okay. Um, say to Avery, sorry, I have to go. Yeah, um, sorry again for the awkward conversation. I just really needed to get off my chest. No, not at all. Um, I'll... See you again at some point, I assume. Do you want the cat to keep you company? Give the cat one more pet and then very reluctantly. I think she should stay with you, as adorable as she is. I'll just give Sylvie a telepathic command to come back. Sylvie stands up and kind of stretches out on your shoulder before hopping and landing on yours, Avery. Irene will get up and leave before yet he betrays his new sense of internal panic, I suppose. Oh, before I forget, General Calypso wanted to see us at some point today. Uh, okay. Make a decision on what's happening. Uh, it's been about two hours at this point, so in about an hour, you would know. An okay. hour from now, roughly. I'll be there, and I will carry on hurrying away. Uh, Alistair looks at you. Uh, cool cat, man. Uh, you want to grab a drink or something? No, I, I'm, I'm good, but thank you for the offer. I think I'm just going to go for a walk. No. Uh, Alright, man. I'm gonna head to the cafeteria then. But, uh, yeah. I guess I'll see you later. Alistair walks by you, leaving you alone in the hallway. I'll just go for a, I'll just give Sylvia a scratch and go for a walk somewhere. See where my feet take me. Avery, you begin to just kind of walk the hallways as the camera kind of zooms off of you for a minute. And it zooms as it follows Alistair for a minute as he steps into the cafeteria and walks in, seeing Wyatt just morphing and demorphing for a clapping Evelina. And then the camera kind of just like shakes its head no, and it keeps going, and it follows Virian as Virian makes their way through the main floor to the front doors of the pyramid, making their way out as another lightning bolt hits. The sky is illuminated with pink light, and you can see Damien still just staring at the River Virian, about 30 yards ahead of you. I got the stand about five foot back from Damien. You wanted to see me? wanted I you can see he's really you've never really seen Damien uncertain 
in himself or what he's doing or what he's saying. He's always had that confidence, and right now that seems to be missing. Okay, um, first, I wanted to let you know that of course, in my own fucked up way, I care about you and about the other two. I don't understand it, but I wouldn't have bothered to save you all if I really didn't care. well you you know me or you know bits of me and you've accepted that and I've never really understood why The bits you've shown of us, they've never been, I've never seen them as false. You're just you. One of the first people in my life I've ever met who is just himself. I know that's probably not the most adequate explanation for it. Being Damien has always been a persona of, you know, sometimes when you imagine something and you want it so much to be true that you start to believe it? Painfully so. I kind of took that to the extreme. To the point of anything against that vision, I crushed entirely. You, you asked me in the hospital, in the elevator, about whether it gets easier, how to deal with all of that. And I guess I'm asking, I'm asking a similar question here. I. I'm not that old, which is weird to think about in comparison. I mean, you're an elf, so lifespan is yeah. different anyway. We age differently. I'm not that old, but I've... I don't understand any of this. I don't get why like, I don't get the intrinsic why I saved you all. I don't get why I was relieved that you were the one that survived the explosion. All I've known is anger and rage and any negative emotion you can think of. That's all I've known, and I'm just... I don't know who I am anymore, Varian, and I don't know what to do here. Varian's gonna take another step forward. Not so that he's in Damien's, like, personal bubble, 
but just a little bit closer. Who were you then, for this persona? I don't remember all of it. I remember being a little boy. I remember a mother who preferred alcohol to me. Yeah, that's a lot more common than people think, it seems. I remember a father who refused to think that I was his blood, that hated me. I remember I guess, huh, thinking on it, it makes more sense of why I don't understand positive things because I was never shown them. Never shown them? How, how could you expect to know them? I remember being told that parents were meant to protect you and love you and teach you. I also remember pain and bones breaking and the cold of the river and the, the hatred when he realized I was still alive. My mother named me Zero on Otiena which I guess was kind of a, a fuck you as a name anyway, because in my tongue it translates to air monster. Demon of the air. Bitch. What it's worth in common. And this is technically a true fact, because I didn't realise until after I picked it as a name for him. In the common tongue, my name means some kind of parasite. So there we go. Really needed better choices in names. I've decided an Elvish Virian is a very nice name. I just kind of googled it out of curiosity one day, and it's related to a virus. I was like, <laughs> cool. <laughs> and I'm not the most experienced person in the world, but. I'm also slightly hypocritical for saying this. You're not a reflection of the people that brought you into this world. I know that. I... Part of, I guess part of us will never truly believe it when people say it, but I know that. I think... Damien became my persona out of survival. But then... Became more than that, it became armour. Against the world that didn't give a shit. First time I killed someone, I cried. 
and I think the last bit of Zero died with that person. place to say but did he? You still remember who you were even if only in small amounts are they really gone for good? The only person that remembers Zero is the monster who killed him in the first place. If I know the right thing to do here is to help them. In a way, I know the survival thing to do here is to help them. Every option and its logic points that I need to help them, but then it just raises a blazing fear of the fact that I don't have a choice, really. to help them. This is almost ironically really one of the few times in my life I've had a choice. You get used to everybody deciding everything for you and you never learn how to think for yourself. Because everyone already knows what you are and what you need to do and what you're going to be. And why betide you if you're not? Do you ever wonder why I react so viscerally to the bombs and the puppeteering and the pain that Bart and Vicious used to control me? The loss of your free will. Shortly after setting out into Damien, came across a lot of, I don't know why, but the area surrounding where I was born there's an infestation of blood mages don't know why the practice is so fucking popular but couldn't go five foot without kicking over a bloody necromancer or puppeteer or whatever and I ran across a very my first death was it was because I refused to join them because I'd seen their kind and I'd fell for their kind before. And it took me a long time to deal with that. I guess I haven't dealt with that. <laughs> I don't sleep, barely eat. And now Julius is gone. He was kind of my one tender hook to sanity. <laughs> if they want you to help them, are they not able to give you Julius in return? I guess it's worth asking. 
followed me in the past. Right now with... Avery said something's chaotic with my magic. Every time I try to summon Julius, my nose bleeds, everything hurts. I'm sent to this white room for a moment, and he's just there in a box. Nothing is... I'm, I'm so out of control that even the one thing I've always had some grasp on, which was myself, is no longer in my control. I can't trust my own thoughts right now, but the one thing I can trust is you. And if you think this is the right thing to do, and if you think they can help me get Julius, then fuck it. I'm not promising they'll be able to help you because I'm not them. Thank you well for asking. You do seem desperate for our help. You made it this far. I mean, they did. The resistance lot are such a small subsection of them. I was at the big council meeting with all their important people and they voted against taking any action against all this. Even after I told them of the hospital. The contaminator and everything. But... help from us all but it'd be worth mentioning the beholder that Wyatt and I saw he's supposed to be essentially the father of all beholders wow I'm really glad I got asked whether I could bring you what out all of a sudden <laughs> so am I thank you again You've rubbed off on me, Varian. Guess we'll see whether that's a good thing. You know, when I asked you that question in the elevator, it's because I wanted to be more like you. You were just getting on with things. And I was just following in my own despair, going through it, my own self-pity. You wanted to be more like me, I wanted you to be better. I think as much as it goes against, well, everything you said about yourself, I think we have to help them. Whatever happens next, we'll take it one step at a time. Don't go dive on me again, Varian. I've sort of promised I'll live. I thought I was the one talking to people in my head.
I know we talked about it, like, off-screen, but does Damien actually know about, like, their own spell book? Because we've created this whole, like, warlock squad in a universe type thing, but I don't well, know I if know, it's ever been I canon. Know, I know Ta- I Damien knows Taryn originally was a shrunken head, because yeah. Damien saw you, like, having that initial conversation. And we were in the trailer and things together for a while, like, off-camera. Technically, just very. I saw you pick up the spell book in the hospital. You got the spell book in the hospital. So, would you have at any point either, you know, you had 16 days down there underground as well? (laughs) Or as you guys got back, you did have a couple hours um, when you got back to Ganymede Square to get cleaned up and everything. So, it's up to you if uh, Damien would know about the spell book or not. I always feel very probably talk to Taran in his own head. Unless Taran got really antagonistic, and then he probably would have started shouting at the book out loud. Damien's like, this is fine. It's um, an interesting little tidbit about Avery. Yeah. Pretty sure he was revived on Isla Diablo. In that lab? Mm-hmm. Where the Mithril was? Yes. There we and were. where Taran was? Yes. Huh. Well, we killed that form of Taran anyway, so it wasn't Taran doing the resurrection. No. I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit of interest. The only people I know or I've heard of that are capable of that kind of thing would be... Oh, what was his name? Do you remember when Zurin died? Grandpa Wine, yes. And... Vicious yelled for someone to take the body to Rasputin. Interesting choice of name, but yes. I remember you three mentioning, well, you two, the cat wasn't alive long enough to mention anything. The hearing something, like waking up briefly between when we got knocked out and when we woke up in the cube. I mean, Boss Varian probably remembers that. That was so long ago that my memory of that's quite fuzzy. Well, I remember that you literally woke up for like, you were awake for like 10 seconds. Varian, give me a history check with advantage. (laughs) Okay. The main thing I remember from it is you dumb idiot. Oh, wait, no, that one's moving. Uh, my highest is an 18-year-old. Hearing Damien say uh, the name Rasputin, you suddenly remember, like, it kind of, it's one of those things where it's like a trigger, 
and hearing that name, like your brain kind of flashes back to seeing the inside of your eyelids and hearing a beeping machine as you heard a kind of kind of mumbled voice yell at Rasputin that, what are you doing, Rasputin? They're waking up. And then a man yelling back, Dr. Couvert, shut your fucking squid face. We are fine. <laughs> Did I spell that doctor's name? Dr. Couvert. It is C-U-V-I-E-R. Oh, my notebook's from way back when, so I can't even <laughs> look back on it. Hmm. That's something Virin's going to mentally put a pin in for now. Um, Avery also said that, well, before I got out here, in an hour that they wanted to speak to us again. I'm not sure if you want to come along too, but... I better, otherwise... Well, if I'm committing to this, I need to be there, so... But if she pulls any more of a fucking mojo on me, I may pull out another knife. What is that exactly? Because I hate it? It's... The way she explained it to me when I first got here is... Essentially, she's... A dis- she's... Like a half-godling person related to someone who's... Some deity that's to do with love and attraction and seduction, so it's kind of an aura she gives off that she can't really control. Strange. She's very apologetic about it, especially when I threatened to castrate her, even though she doesn't have those parts. Yes. I mean, I wouldn't really know myself, but um, I'll take your word for it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just assuming. I may be wrong. Warlock's got stars outside and has a debate on do girls have balls? Where are they? It's <laughs> knifing around down there. <laughs> Where is it? <laughs> Just stab <laughs> random bits until something goes. So she can't probably dry off before we you know back. But I'll I'll see you in the office. I know where it is. See you then. Mm, Fearing I'll go, Amen. Um, a small but another genuine smile. Damon kind of hesitate. You see him hesitate slightly in kind of self confusion of what to do, and he just kind of pats you on the shoulder. Oh, because he's like, I don't know how to initiate nice contact. <laughs> this is Damien learns to be a person. <laughs> the arc. Makes him feel any better, Virion will always ask before he's like, I want a hug. Emotional Damien time is over. Back to asshole. Uh, Virion, are you gonna then leave Damien out in the rain? Yeah, go inside. Cass, prestidigitation. <laughs> Just to not look like the girl from the ring. Because Varian has an unfortunate habit of looking like her. It's all the long black hair that does it. 
You find yourself nice and dry and warm, uh, standing in the front hall of the uh, pyramid, as you realize you have at this point about eh, half an hour. Is there any last things you would like to do before the next meeting? I'll save that question for another time. Probably just go and find somewhere to sit down, think about be protective over Spellbook, because whilst Varian is sure Avery meant well, having someone question him so directly was unnerving. Varian, you make your way back into the Grand Hall area of this pyramid and find some kind of ornate benches against one of the walls near the hallway that leads down to General Calypso's office and parked yourself there, waiting to watch the time go by with your spellbook in hand. But the camera... Oh, I just said yes. <laughs> the camera kind of zooms back to the cafeteria as it leaves Virian in the main hall and zooms down the hallway back through a couple turns as we reach the double doors into the cafeteria as it opens and we find Wyatt still standing there with Evelina still in full Power Ranger mode at this time and Evelina just completely fangirling out about it. But Wyatt, you realize at this point you have about an hour of things to do. Is there anything you would like to do before the next meeting? Um, have I still got Fangirl in front of me? Yeah, she's still there. Okay. Okay, look. I can't keep this mode up for long because, you know, it had the power drained quickly. So, if you want, I can show you one of my legendary modes. Are you serious? All right, I, I don't even care. Just show me. Yeah, do 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 it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Okay. Um, pick a number between one and four. What? Two, two, two? No, three, four. No. Um, one. No, one. No, four. No. Um. Uh. uh I've. Uh, I've. Got, I have a. I have a solution for this. I shall leave it up to chance on this. Alex, run me a D four. It is a free. <laughs> you thought <laughs> Okay. How about you see it mode I've not shown I've not used before? Legend shift. Wild force. The magic as your whole armor suddenly is encompassed in white and you see almost looking like the armor itself is just being clawed by claws you see big like black stripes coming into it through it out as your uh, gloves actually shift and you actually see real sharp like golden claws descend from the fingertips and the helmet itself gets you a little more feral what do you think She's just in like a stunned state of silence as like her mouth is just hung agape and she's just staring at you. 
I am the happiest I've ever been. Well, I'm happy I could make you happy. Now, unfortunately, power down. I gotta save it in case I need it. Okay, so pleasure. But oh. for but for right now, I gotta save the rest of it. Okay, so thank you very much for uh, your interest and. Uh, you know, they say, uh, stay in school. Why it says rather awkwardly, and then leave the room quickly, <laughs> looking for anywhere to get away from the fangirl. Evelina is still just like her mouth is basically agape as she just watches you leave. And finally, as you're at the door, just, oh, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. I leave immediately uh, and will hide for the next hour. <laughs> Wyatt, you find yourself uh, creeping through the hallways, ducking and weaving throughout, making sure, looking over your shoulder and making sure Evelina isn't following you. And in doing so, you don't see Avery coming through a corner and you kind of run right into him. Neither of you wipe out, but it's just a, whoa, as you find yourself in the hallways uh, with Avery. I can't hiss at him. Avery, um, how are you? Um, nice cat. Thank you. You know, Calypso is looking for us, by the way. Yeah, Calypso is looking for us, yeah. How are you? I'm better. Well, uh, we haven't had much chance to talk properly, I know. Well, we have a chance, but. but at the moment, I'd like to. I might like just keep to my thoughts for a minute. Not a problem. Um, we 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 will have time to chat at some point. Uh, I'll buy a coffee or something at some point, and we sit down and have a chat. Or maybe we can go. And, maybe we can go and uh, go, go to like a bar or something and have a drink or something. Was just just chat. Oh shit! I'm gonna go for breakfast with Ferris. Well, that's gonna be a conversation I'm not gonna enjoy having when I get back to uh, Hollywood Heights. Anyway, days um, ago at this point. Yes, days they... and days and days. Yes, days ago at this point, yes, absolutely. I'll send flowers. Yeah, be dead. He just sits that miserable in the chair. He's he was he was spun he was at SpongeBob shit post. Just sat there in the booth waiting for Wyatt to show up, looking miserable. It's bad enough I feel how bad Wyatt feels. They make Matt feel bad for as well. But <clears throat> Right, so let's go to Clipside. You two. Oh, I'll catch up. Shut up, phone. Wyatt, you make your way back to the main hall. Uh, you realize you have about five minutes until the actual meeting. Uh, Avery, are you doing any last things before you head towards the meeting? No, uh, he, he just needed to be in his own space, so he's just going to slowly make his way there. 
Right. And finally, Damien, uh, still out in the rain, uh, you realized you had about half an hour to get to the meeting spot. About what time would you arrive at the area to go in? Oh, I'd wait till they were all in the room before rounding the corner and then going in, because I don't want to have awkward small talk outside the room. <laughs> That's fair. The the three of you make your way to the office door of Calypso as you're standing there, and Virian, you actually are the one who grabbed the handle and began to open the door as both Wyatt and Avery go in before you. And as they step in, you see rounding the corner, Damien, still dripping wet because, you know, why the fuck would they use precipitation? They obviously wouldn't. So still drenched from the rain outside, rounding the corner and coming down the hall towards you. Oh. Probably help the door open just to see if Damien comes along. Don't worry, no awkward conversations will take place outside the room. Varian can probably read Damien that well. <laughs> Damien kind of nods an acknowledgement but gestures for you to go first. Okay. It's more of a defensive thing of yeah. if someone's going to try and stab us, Damien would rather be at the back to stop it. Okay, then Varian will... It might take him a moment or two to get the picture, but he will go in first. <laughs> Just with a knife. <laughs> Virian, you step into the room with Damien following you pretty soon afterwards as the four of you step back in and you see where the smaller table was before. Now a massive, like, glowing table has replaced it. And you see at the head of the table standing General Calypso with Evelina to her right. And you see Alistair standing uh, to your right just inside the door. And she looks at over the three of you and gives you all a nod before looking at Damien and kind of giving a cr- uh, like a crook of her head to the side before also just giving you a nod of her head. I just fold my arms. Well, I am so glad to see all four of you together once again. Uh, please. Uh, step forward and have a seat. And you see there are four chairs uh, along this massive glowing table. I'll take a seat. Why I'll take a seat? I'm in standing, but that's just... My boy. Avery, are you uh, taking a seat? Yeah, Avery will take a seat. As the three of you sit down and Damien just kind of moves to stand behind the chair that's clearly meant for him, you see you uh, all suddenly a bit of a... as you hear like a magical energy kind of hum and you see like gold light kind of like shoot up from three other chairs as you see Minos... or four other chairs as you see Minos, uh, Himera, Kai and Drahoslava like reappear around this table and as the gold light fades they then look like their normal selves in their normal skin tones and everything like that and you see all right as General Calypso looks around the table now that we are all here 
and on the same page, let us begin. And as she says that, she pushes a button on this table as it goes, and you hear a whirling energy as the table suddenly lights up and you see a massive map of Ganymede. And she looks at all of you. So, as a massive map of the entire island of Ganymede appears in front of you, glowing with a blue energy. Right, well, as you can see, this is Ganymede. Um, we are here, and she points to the massive uh, golden white pyramid up in the northwest uh, corner. Now, as to be completely open and honest with all of you, uh, she looks at you all as the map kind of hums to life and you all see it in front of you. I will answer any and all questions that you have immediately and be completely honest with you. I will tell you right now, the resistance is here to stop Vicious. I worry that whatever is impacting Ganymede currently isn't vicious at all, but has much more direct stakes to all of you. Do you have any Definitely isn't connected to Vicious because right after we died they immediately wanted to send us out to investigate it because they had no idea what happened. The aquarium thing was nothing to do with Vicious and that seems to be the trigger point for everything. And isn't he in some kind of regeneration cycle at the moment? He's now. He wasn't then. Mm, He's not an immediate threat for now, as for certain. Well, I say that, but the question—the question I do have—is, and it's like that: if Vicious is quote sleeping, Bart is at death's door. Who's running things? That I'm sorry, I, I do not know what. Vicious's infrastructure is for That's his fine. power of scale. I have agents throughout the entire rest of Ganymede. I assume, Detective Wyatt, you actually know one of them quite well. Uh, who? Detective Kane. Kane, one of your informants? Of course, I have an informant in the Ganymede Police Department, and Detective Kane has been with the Resistance since... Why? Since my father was in charge. He finds a lot. He's a, a decent person. Kane is a good man. He, he wants to know more about Vicious's power structure. It's worth asking Knives when he wakes up because he's Knives is one of his lieutenants. Yeah. Um. About that, maybe it's best if one of you ask him. 
I'm not entirely oh, sure. I'll ask him why at its fine. I'm not entirely sure I'll be his favourite person with me, so. Um What do the circles mean on the map? Which circles why it? Um well you've got a yellow one around Ganymede Square. For example, what's that one for? That is the barrier that is erected around Ganymede Square, impenetrable by anything. Except the big hole in it that we've gone through. She, you see General Calypso looks at you. There's a hole in the barrier? don't know. It's not a consistent hole, but when we went to the aquarium the first time, we followed a trail out from in Ganymede Square from... What was the name of that club you went to, Varian? Are you talking about the strip club? <laughs> yeah. Club Puffers, I believe. Thank you. Damien refuses to store that information in his brain. I'm, I've had a black club pathos. Um, maybe quite the uh, quite the haunt. This is fantastic, and I'm sure we can go back one day there without Damien. It's not his thing. But right now, let's focus on the image at hand. Absolutely. Absolutely. We followed what? a trail from Club Pathos out, and we reached the barrier, and don't remember exactly how it happened, but we essentially formed a doorway. It formed a doorway out. We went through and it shut off again. But clearly that's whatever caused the explosion and whatever's doing this otherness that isn't vicious is capable of breaking that barrier, even if it's only temporary. This once again has to do with the impersonator of one of your party again. Yes, Terminator is what we've nicknamed it. Right, yes. Uh, as you can see, Wyatt, as well, to answer your question, the circle down in green is the aquarium and now the affected area from said explosion. Okay. That's a the lake. So, so the green X is where it was then? Okay. The green X is represents, yes, Damien, the lake. The surrounding area, the black circle, is actually what's best described as a rot that seems to have spread since the explosion at the aquarium. Well, that isn't that just peach. Yes, I was there the other day. It's quite something. That's also the last sighting of that Terminator. So it's hanging around that sort of area. Well, I, I think it, it was after me. <laughs> what about these other black crosses? The ones that are scattered all over. Those are random buildings in the outskirts of Ganymede have been falling apart, as it were, and it's been happening for the past ten years. And those mark every building that has seemingly been destroyed by nothing. Every time we interview anyone who was there around the sightings, they all just describe an odd electrical-like current in the air 
and then the building itself just collapsing. Hmm. What's the uh, the blue circle? That is the power structure and aura of Yukis, the Unquenchable. That's where we were. Delightful. Nothing. I'd Oh, nothing. Yeah, I'm not going back there. You, you couldn't pay me enough to go back there. The two of you spoke and dealt with Yukis. In a manner of speaking. Is he still stuck in the library? Yes. As far as we can tell. Well, as long as he doesn't get his book, that's all that matters. Which book? Why, the book that Vicious sealed his sight within. It's what keeps him bound to the library. found in the cube. Mm. Very with just like the tiniest bit of hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> oh, apparently it's the book he's ended up with. So, Wyatt's fantastic. Why it's gone white. <laughs> Aaron's already just, white. Just let us take it if it's that important. You can see that Calypso is just staring at all of you. You you took the book from somewhere, and you two are saying that Yukis is now in possession of his book? That is literally what I've just said, yes. (laughs) That is a literal interpretation of what happened. You can see a murmur goes up amongst the all five of the ministers who are all standing there. And you see to the right side, the like hulking man uh, minister with this minister's collar that is barely like containing his neck as his neck is just like bulging. And you see, Minos does not like this. This is a terrible news. Yukis almost destroyed this realm and bled into our realms when he did it. Yes. What did that give plan? This this is fine. You you didn't give him the key, correct? What key? There was no key with it. You see, like a deep sigh come out of Calypso as she releases. It is all fine. It is fine, then. There is no way Yukis can open his book without the golden key. Ah, oh, vicious. Arun's still going into a minor panic attack now. I... These meetings are not going as I had hoped either time, and I am sorry, but that is... While terrible news, 
at least it's not as bad as it could have been. Okay? You, you didn't give him the... He doesn't have the key. Without the key, there is no way he will get into that book. Yes, but we don't know for sure whether or not he actually has the key. And Virion is going to get up from his chair and just start pacing the room. Leads the question of why that the book it's the book from the cube of why he would put it in somewhere where he routinely sends people through to see what they've got. He was watching us the entire time and he let us take it. He let us keep it. Even when we died, we, again, he still let us keep all our possessions. Wait, you you survived the cube? This is yes. where we found the bloody book. Okay, let's just get all the facts on the table here. Or at least as it comes to Virion and I. We died in our home realm. Not when we were supposed to. We got dumped here whilst old Fate McGee tried to sort out the problem. We got found by a werewolf named Lucian who ratted us out. We got knocked out. Woke up in the cube where he told us to show us show him what we are capable of doing went through floors of fights and bullshit puzzles and stupid riddles and decapitated heads of old companions and eventually reached the basement and he said now it's time for us to meet we found the book in there in a chest in one of the rooms it wasn't trapped it wasn't, like, warded or, like, fancily covered or anything. It was just a book in a chest. And considering we'd found, like, healing potions and stuff in other chests, of course we opened it. The cube is a temporal dimension that exists within several other pocket dimensions. It is untraceable, unfindable, and up until this moment, by all accounts that we have ever heard, unwinnable. Well, four of us won. The lion, the Leonin we were with at the time died immediately after, but I think that was unrelated. And LB, the dwarf, died in the aquarium explosion. Well, I can see why Vicious is so infatuated with the two of you, then. It's not returned. <laughs> right. Well, with all of that, we'll put a pin in that for now. But... Okay, any other questions about the map? What's the orange one? The orange X represents a hole that we found about 20 years ago or so. It went 50 feet down into a cave system. Unfortunately, the cave system collapsed on us as we were trying to investigate it. We lost five or six men in that collapse. Hmm. 
then I'm assuming the bells are where we would call the ferryman. Similar to what we did to get to Isla Diablo. That is correct. Either Diablo. Yeah, I've never heard that. of that DM. You've never heard of Isla Diablo. Okay. Never heard it. What are the uh, the the horse and carriage symbols? That is an unexplained phenomenon that seems to traverse across many realms. Those are sightings of the Keeper. <laughs> Damien's face kind of twitches in amusement. The Keeper? Yes. He is a man or something, it seems, but he shows up at crossroads across every realm and dimension that we've ever seen. He has shown up in all of their realms as well, offering up items and advice for a price that he says he will eventually ask for. <laughs> Barry and I are looking at each other like... Aaron's already... He's stopped pacing at this point and he's just kind of staring now. Right, do these items tend to come in black boxes? will only open when you really need them. You see an exasperated sigh come out of Calypso's uh, mouth as she looks at you two and goes, Okay, everyone, we are going to take 20 minutes and we're going to get all of our cards on the fucking table. And at that point... I don't relevant. And on that note, that is where we will end this week's adventure in Escape from All Farm. Thank you to everybody for listening to this episode of, uh, of Dungeons and Junkies. Um, we're on the table now and um, just give our social information. And we'll start with Chad. Hello, I'm Chad, and today I played insert name here and i had a very wonderful time doing it i hope you enjoyed me playing insert name here if you would like to hear me on any other podcast check me out on visionaries global media and of course you want to follow me on twitter you can do so at chad's underscore mind or at vftr 2 p0 always a good time caitlin what up mortals I'm Caitlin. Uh, I've I've been here. <laughs> That's my. I run a separate TTRPG podcast featuring all of these wonderful lot called Dice and Suffering. It's where my D and D campaign is. It's also where we play Blades in the Dark, featuring clowns and hookers and lasagna. And no, none of that makes sense. It barely makes sense to me, and I, I listen to it. I also write articles about games and mental health on themindgame.org. Woo. End transmission. Kerry. Hello, I'm Kerry. Like everyone else here, I don't really have any big projects going on. I'm just the one they kind of can't get rid of. Anyway, I'm Shira Beans on Twitter, where I lurk a lot and post very little. 
But I also get to supervise the Dungeons and Junkies art Instagram, which is just Dungeon Junkies on Instagram. Goodbye. See you later. Alex. Yes, I am Alex, and I play insert name here as to copy Chaz's trend because that was a pretty cool trend. Uh, you can find me at Spiderbread UK on Twitter. You can find our main show at Game Junkies Pod, and you can find this ever-growing collection of Dungeons and Dragons content on Dungeons and Junkies. Indeed, you can find me at Matt at UK. Thank you again to everybody for listening. Thank you, everybody who's playing. And uh, we're out of here. This podcast was brought to you by me, Chad, in conjunction with Visionaries Global Media and Mad Attack Productions.